The book of Luke chapter 12, a very familiar passage of Scripture. We find in this text, no doubt, commonly known as a parable. However, it could be a commentary on the life of a real person. It's important for us to understand as we read this vivid illustration that the Lord gives a warning in this text. Notice what the Bible says in chapter number 12, verse number 13. And the Bible says, And one of the company said unto his master, to him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, that who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. I would like for you to underscore, if you would please, the phrase, What shall I do? We realize as we read this text and that the Lord says to beware of covetousness. Covetousness is the unquenchable thirst for getting more and more of something that we think that we need to satisfy us. And covetousness is a need for possessions, for power, for position, or even pleasure. But in this story, we see that this well-to-do farmer with an eye for business and nothing wrong with that is commendable. And that this man could not only produce an abundant crop, but also, as we read, he was industrious enough to preserve the fruit of his labor by planning, by building more barns to house all of his goods. The record here shows that this man has an ambitious goal. We're not sure of his age at all, but we recognize that he was fruitful in his own mind. But we find in verse number 19 when he says to himself, do you ever talk to yourself? How many ever talk to yourself? Well, the man talked to himself. Nothing wrong with talking to yourself, but when you go to answer yourself, then that's when we get in trouble. But the man said, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's certainly nothing wrong with preparing, making preparation for the future, and all of us should do so. However, as we see in this text, the Lord calls time, and he calls this man a fool. And may we be reminded, a man who leaves God out is called a fool. We find here, the scripture reminds us that life doth not consist in the abundance of things which a man possesseth. 
We can have much. We can have plenty. But if we do not have Christ, there's never a peace down on the inside that only the Lord Jesus Christ can give. Talking about a peace that passes of all understanding and all comprehension. We do understand that the, in this passage that this rich man had attained more and probably more than most would have in life. But he was not content. A person does not have to necessarily be rich to not to be content. You may be here this morning and there's a vacancy in your heart. And may I say the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many that are looking for something, but they're looking in all the wrong places, no doubt. And so the rich man thought within himself, and he said, what shall I do? And he comes to a conclusion. You'll see it. And he says, this will I do. Notice in verse 18, this will I do. And notice then that eight times he says, there's eight eyes, and there's four mys in this text. He talks about himself. Again, there's nothing wrong with preparation, but in all the planning, we never hear if the Lord will. I did not set out to be a preacher. That was not my intentions, but it was God's intention. I grew up in a preacher's home, as I said over the weekend, and I lived up to the reputation of the preacher's kids being the meanest kids in church. How many agree that the preacher's kids are the meanest kids many times? And you know why? Because they have to run around with the deacon's kids. There's no question about it and the influence of all of that. But I came to the realization in my life while in a successful career starting at a very young age, I came to the conclusion that there was more in life than what I was trying to attain. And at the age of 18, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And he saved me, changed my life forever. We began serving the Lord, knocking on doors, running bus routes, and taking the kids to church, not sending them, but taking them and going with them and having our devotions and living a life that was, we thought, what God wanted. But the Bible reminds us when he says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He wants us to keep on coming. Our kids were in the Christian school, and I remember one time Marcia went to pick up Scott, and we called him Scotty then, but Scott at the Christian school. And the teacher called Marcia aside and said, I need to speak to you about Scott's prayer request for the day. And Marcia said, oh. And so she told us, says, well, Scott asked the class to pray for his daddy that he would quit drinking. And she was puzzled knowing our lives, our home, and where we attended church and involved in church. And she said, so I just thought you should know and was puzzled as to why he gave such a request. And Marcia just began to laugh, Pastor. And said, so, well, what's going on is Roger has got a real habit of drinking so many Cokes. And he's drinking six and eight Cokes a day. And he knows that he needs to quit. And he said, just pray for me that I'll quit drinking all of these Cokes. You see, it's not necessarily what you say, but how you say it, and again, what you're referring to. Pray for Daddy that he'll quit drinking. 
And so I'm thankful that they prayed for me, and along the way, others were praying for me, and we just prayed for the Lord's will in our life. And then later on, when Scott was eight and Stacy was four, we answered a call to preach at the age of 33. And actually happened here at First Baptist Church, Hamlet. We were attending pastor school with my brother, who was a pastor, and others, and I shared some of this over the weekend. And I thank the Lord for the decision when God spoke to my heart here at First Baptist Church Hammond, and thank the Lord for it. Little did I realize that I would ever have the opportunity to come back, Brother Eddie, and, and preach from this platform. We've been back to church here, but thank God for the opportunity that God has given us, not just to preach here, but to proclaim the gospel, the pastor, and, and again, recognizing that God has a place for all of us. We should be asking the question, what shall I do? If you do not know Christ, we should be asking the question, and may I say, God has the answer. And we can share with you today. If you find yourself as a Christian knowing that God has something else for you, and God is working on your life, and what is going on? What shall I do? And may I say, God wants us to keep on coming. We find in this passage of Scripture, right in the midst of his career, that he got an unexpected notice from God. And the Bible reminds us when he says, in this night, meaning 12 hours, that he had to live. God calls time on this man. The day prior, he thought of gold instead of God. The day prior, he thought of pleasures instead of people. The day prior, he thought of ease instead of eternity. The day prior, he thought of passion for things. And the day prior, he had a love for himself. The day prior, he was so preoccupied with life. And the truth of it is, he forgot that eternity is forever and that life is but a vapor. And James says and gives us the question, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. In verse number 17, notice the question when he says, what shall I do? This was the question prior to his death notice. And then he answers it when he says, this will I do. And so considering this parable, I ask you this question. How would you respond today? All of us, if we knew we just had 12 hours to live. Some requests were given this morning in the Sunday school hour as well just a moment ago of those who may be at the point of death and those who are ready to go out into eternity. Let us be reminded that no man is prepared to die until he first knows Christ. The better way to say it is no man is prepared to live until he first is prepared to die. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And there are people today who are blindly groping in the darkness trying to find the meaning of life. And there are even Christians that are trying to find God's purpose in our life. God just wants us to keep on following him. The dilemma here is no doubt kind of strange that he had a bumper crop. He had surplus. But there was still something missing in his life. May I ask, what is my value? What is your value of a meaningful life? 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 7 reminds us that we brought nothing into this world and we're certainly not going to take anything out. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? 
What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Apostle Paul reminds us that now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so I ask, what is your life? And what shall I do? Jesus reminds us when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. We're reminded in the Word of God throughout that there's nothing about life without Christ who gives us not just eternal life, but the abundant life in John 10, 10. Thank God for decisions that we made along the way in trusting Christ, but the Lord desires that we continue to surrender all as we sing the song so often. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but by the mercy of God that he saved us. Many know how to make a living, but do not know how to make a life. For life is in the Son. The only thing that will matter, it's not money, it's not friends. May I say it's not our looks, it's not all the entertainment or the fun that we enjoy in this life. What is my value of a meaningful life? What is a meaningful life? Are you look, looking for the right job, trying to go to the right school, trying to make a change maybe to the right neighborhood or the right house or the right car? And we'll find that that's all futile. There's nothing there without the Lord Jesus Christ. No man can really live until he first is prepared to die, we've said. First of all, when we think about the dilemma, we must think then about the decision in verse number 18. He says, and this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. He thought, this is the answer. This is how I fulfill what my needs are in my life. And may I say again that my view of a mighty God would determine where I'm, how I make my decisions. We have so many that have a secular view, a world view. We're so consumed with self, sin, service, rather than sacrificing and giving ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was taught at a young age, and then later on I realized that Dr. Robertson had used that for years when he's five to thrive. And certainly we realize that it's about our prayer life, it's about our Bible life, it's about church attendance, it's about giving back to the Lord how he has blessed us. It's about telling others, about witnessing to someone else who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the Bible reminds us it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. As we yield ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, we give ourselves completely to him. Romans chapter 12 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your what? Your reasonable service. And knowing that, for we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of everything that we've done in this body, be it good or bad. I desire to hear my heavenly Father to say, well done. Reminded of my own father, 
who answered a call to preach when he was 13 years old in Logan County, West Virginia. Thank God for the influence. And as we talk about family and marriage, thank God for the influence of my mom and dad. I told them that we were raised on drugs. Drugged to church on Sunday morning and drugged to church on Sunday night and drug on Wednesday night and many times as many nights of a revival. But I'm so thankful for all of that. And when my father passed and they brought his belongings from the hospital to us, my father was only 57. I was 22 years old when my dad died. They gave us his belongings, and I pulled out his wallet, Pastor, and I looked through the, the wallet. And as I looked through the wallet, there was no cash there, but there were three pennies that we shared this weekend, I believe. There were three pennies stuck down in the back of that wallet. I have those three pennies taped to the Bible, the family Bible, and my study at home. With the reminder that life consisteth not in the abundance of things which a man possesseth. The greatest thing that my dad left me and my, father, my brothers and my sister is his influence. The greatest thing that we can pass on to our children, our grandchildren, is our influence. And may each of us understand that we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account, no question about it. May, may I say, what am I going to leave behind? I trust that the greatest thing is that it'll be said of Papa that he was a man of God, that he loved the Lord, he loved his wife, and he loved to see people come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. May, it be, may, all, may we all be reminded that we're going to leave a legacy behind, good or bad, but more importantly, standing before the Lord and hearing him say, well done. Would you say amen? amen? A desire for spiritual things or material possession. May God give us victory over material things. Life consists of not in the abundance of things. Randy Alcorn, in his book of Treasure Principles of Giving, he talks about living for the present life on earth. It's where we find so many, but we need to be living for the eternity, not for the present. Zacchaeus, the publican and the sinner, met Jesus, transformed his life. He says, if I have taken anything wrongfully from any man, <laughs> I'll restore it fourfold. We understand that God did something special in his life. And so as a Christian, we recognize that it's not about what I have, it's what the Lord Jesus Christ wants to give us. And that's that eternal life. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Would you say amen? amen? But as we say amen, have we given all to the Lord? Or do we hear him saying, I want you to keep on coming? Over 3,000 times you'll find the word come in the Bible. And may I say he wants us to come unto him. No question for salvation, but he wants us to keep coming. And so we see in this passage of Scripture the dilemma of this man, the decision that he makes. And may we all be reminded of the desire, as we find in verse number 19. He had a desire to just say to his soul, talking to himself again, Lord, I just want to sit back and, 
eat, drink, and be merry. I want to take it easy. I just want to live my life. But we must be reminded that there is a judgment. There is an eternity. There is a place called hell. But I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ is going to prepare a place for us. And he reminds us in John 14, if I go and prepare a place for you, for you, for me, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, I hope that all of us in this room and those under the sound of my voice will heed this message. And we've, maybe you've already done so, trusted Christ, and no doubt in this vast congregation you have. But the question is, are you still coming? Are you drawing closer to the Lord as we possibly can be? We think about not just the dilemma here and the decision and the desire to have the victory over material possessions. Take no thought of your life for what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. Reminded of an illustration of a man that was on his deathbed. He had time for money, time for family, time for pleasure, but he said, I had no time for God. Your destiny. My vision should be changed when we think about the destiny of others. That we would lift up our eyes and look on the fields and see that it's white already for harvest. The multitudes of those who are dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we knew, like this man, that God's calling time on us, if I just had 12 hours, what would I do different the next 12 hours? Would I do anything different? I believe we all would. I'd want to see the babies. I'd want to kiss my wife. I'd want to see as many friends as I possibly could. But beyond that, we certainly should have a desire to see other people come to know Christ as their Savior. Romans chapter 9 reminds us as the Apostle Paul writes in these three verses, the first three verses, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. He recognized again that he had a great desire to see others to come to know Christ as their Savior. And may we be reminded again, no man is prepared to die until he first is prepared to live. May we have the compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ had, as we find in the book of Jude, verse number 22, when he says, And of some have compassion, having compassion, making a difference. When I think about all that's going on in our life, we realize again that the most important thing is to see others come to know Christ as their Savior. The question that I have for you is a question that I have for myself every day. Am I totally surrendered to be used of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can others see Christ in me? There's people who say, I desire to know the perfect will of God for our life. The only way to know the perfect will of God for our life is to surrender completely to Him. Would you say amen? And to follow Him. 
to know the perfect will of God, to hear the Lord say one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I have no idea what lies before us, but I know that God has plans for us all. I had not planned to be a preacher. I had not planned that at all, but God had plans. Just be obedient to what God's doing. Do we regret? No. Thank God for the opportunity. I have no idea, Pastor, what's going to happen the next few years. At 72, I hope that I'll have, I'd like to live, well, i just like to live forever. Amen. But I know I'm going to live forever ever in heaven. My grandfather lived to be 98. Dad died at 57. I, I hope that I have the 98 on my side. Uh, but if not, we're ready to go. Amen. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, let me give you these closing thoughts when we think about that some of us should have a compassion to make a difference in other people's lives. And i just written it down as the three R's. 90% of the people we meet are searching for something that is real. 90% of the people that we meet are searching for something that is real. 75% of those individuals are receptive to hear the good news and to how they could have eternal life. And 50%, according to surveys, show that 50% of those will receive. There are lost people all around us. May we lift up our eyes and look on the fields and say they are white or ready to harvest. May we be willing to tell someone else, and those that are receptive to hear the gospel, and then those that receive. I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ is the one changes life. I've never changed anybody's life. But I can have an influence on their life. And I can give them the invitation to come to know Christ. But it is God that changes a person's life. I think about the number of people that have prayed the sinner's prayer in our presence. Those that we visited or those that we met on the street or some activity. Those in the hospital. But we leave that with the Lord Jesus and trust his promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So while we're in this room this morning, we certainly need to make sure that things are right between us and God. And to make our calling and election sure. But then to ask the question, am I as close to the Lord as he desires for me to be? Is there something else that God is doing in my life? And then we must indeed have a concern and a compassion for those that we love and those that we meet every day of our life that are looking for life. They're searching. But they're searching in all the wrong places as we find about this rich man who was nothing but a fool. May we as Christians be obedient to the Lord and being responsive. Would we do anything different today if we knew that we only had 12 hours to live, 12 hours to tell somebody else, or 12 hours to make a visit, to make some things right? What would we do? He asked the question, what shall I do? Would you stand with me, please? Father, 
And heaven, we thank you through the power and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us, that we have an opportunity to be in this place this day, at this hour. I pray just now, Lord, for all that's under the sound of my voice and what's been said already today in song and comments from the pastor. Lord, would you speak to hearts as only you can. and Draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord, that in this auditorium as Christians, that we would ask this question. It should be a daily thing. What shall I do on this day to honor the Lord? What shall I do to be able to reach out to someone else? What shall I do to have compassion on a lost soul, a friend, or family member? Would you use us? Help us to be reminded of this question. What shall I do?